0: Remember when the sun did shine, the birds did sing, and so did I? Hello, and welcome to Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast. The Lovewell Institute for the Creative Arts is an arts education not-for-profit where students from around the world have been conceiving, writing, and performing original full-length musicals since 1989. Tonight, we are back with another episode in our Lovewell Spotlight series, where we sit down to bring you long-form interviews with legends in the Lovewell community. The interviews focus on the artist's past, present, and future, exploring the role the Lovewell Method has played in their development as an artist, but also how their own artistry has helped develop the Lovewell Method over the years. But first things first, we finally have a theme song. Let's hear it again. Man, how good is that? We needed a theme song so badly since the very beginning, but we had actually been waiting to record the interview that you're about to hear before we made a theme song, because the idea for this song came from one of the three people that we interviewed for this episode, Nathan Tyson. Our new theme song features lyrics from Nathan Tyson, music from Nils Petter Ankerbloom, and vocals from Nathan Tyson, Kimmy Johnson, and Marcus Davis, let's hear it one more time. Tonight's Lovewell Spotlight interview is with Carrie Gilchrist, Nathan Tyson, and Nils Petter-Ankerbloom. Few people have more Lovewell history than these three, and when we sat down for our interview on Saturday, April 14th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, we had the terrific conversation that you are about to hear, which focuses on their early life, discovering their love of the theater, but also how their creative lives have changed since becoming parents, and even what excites them most about the current generation of Lovewell students. Nathan began doing Lovewell in the early 90s in Salina, Kansas, and is now the award-winning lyricist of Broadway's Tuck Everlasting, Amelie, and a dizzying list of musicals, each more prestigious than the last. Nipe participated in the very first Lovewell Sweden, and has gone on to become a world-renowned musician, composer, arranger, and heartthrob. Carrie also began Lovewell in the early 90s in Salina, Kansas, and is now the artistic and executive director of the Lovewell Institute for the Creative Arts. This is a truly wonderful panel and they gave such a good interview. Uh, You'll hear some cameo appearances throughout from Carrie and Nipe's daughter, Aggie Ankerbloom. So keep your ears peeled for that. Carrie comes in and out a little bit near the end because Aggie got hungry and she had to step away to feed her. There are no curtains to peel back tonight, just doors to open as we head to everyone's favorite Lovewell condo for our interview with Carrie, Nipe and Nathan. Enjoy.
1: We
2: guys have to
1: write the theme song. We do.
2: right here. This is all I got so far. Well, 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 well. Listen well. <laughs>
0: I think it's done. Huh? No, we're 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 done. Function, Hi everybody. Thanks for uh, being here today. Hi Tyler. Hi Ty. Yeah. Can we go around and say who we are and who we wish we could be? Uh, so we know who <laughs> So we know who everyone is at the top of our interview. I'll go first. My name is Tyler. I wish I could be Aggie because she's got the best bedhead right now waking up from that nap. And <laughs> <Hey. laughs> the best outfit. And yeah. I am Nils-Petter-Anke
2: people call me Nipe, and I wish I could be Nathan. That's
1: nice. That's very nice. Uh, my name is Nathan Tyson. And I wish that I could be um, living and
0: working in Wakanda. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Wakanda forever. 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 Yeah.
3: And my name is Carrie Gilchrist. Oh, who do I wish I could be? That was super hard. Yeah, I mean, it was a, so a, a bad lead-off question. Well, I'm, well, Just I'm, happy
2: being you, right? I'm yeah.
3: so happy being me. <laughs>
0: Maybe Harriet Mathis. How about Harriet
3: Mathis? <laughs> oh, that's Ooh, good Harriet Mathis. That's a good one. Thanks for um, telling me who I wish I could be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why are we all in town? Why you all aren't normally here in South Florida at the same exact moment. Why are you all here? We're having a
1: fundraiser slash gala slash celebration uh mm. this evening. Um tickets the- are
0: still available if you listen to this on the Thursday afterwards. <laughs> 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 They're not still They're not. We're sold out.
1: Carrie asked if um, uh, Nipe and I would do an evening of songs. So we're going to do um, some songs from the shows that we have worked on. Um, and also, I love this. Uh, Nipe had an idea that we're each going to sing our favorite Lovewell song Nice. well.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you all know each other very well. Um, but perhaps our listeners don't know the extent of how long you all have known each other. Can you kind of, anyone want to walk us through your, how you all met each other and maybe tell us how you got here today? You guys should start, you go the the furthest back. Nathan and Carrie have known each other the longest.
3: Yeah, Nathan and I grew up in Salina, Kansas with one another. We didn't become maybe official friends until, I don't know, high school, Mm -hmm. but we knew of each other. The first time I met Nathan, which I don't think he remembers, but I still feel a little bitter about him trying to get over it, is... Um, at an audition for the Sound of Music at the Salina Community Theater. Um, I made it to the final callbacks, and I got outed because I had brown hair. Uh, And Nathan made it in the show. I mean, we weren't up for the same role. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the truth is, we might have been. But what's funny is that
1: another, like, uh,
3: class classic,
1: uh, another Lovewell... Uh, staff member, Ryan McCall, who Mm -hmm. also grew up in this line in Kansas, was also at that uh, audition. Right. And, uh, he tells the same story. Because at that (laughs) point, I was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy, and he was like, well, I'm not going to get the role. I'm not going to play the on track.
0: (laughs) So the Sound of Music brought you two together. Kind of. I mean, yeah,
3: yeah, all the hills. But, but we became great friends, and then I'm some best friend group in in high school, when we started Mm -hmm. doing shows together, and doing well together, um, I did my first Lovewell in 1992 in Salina, Kansas.
0: And Sound of Music was how long before that?
3: Five, six years maybe? 86 oh, okay. S-
0: Seven? I don't know. Six or 87, Okay. I think. Um, my brother, actually,
1: who was three years older than me, um, was in the first Lovewell ever. Okay. Wow. Which was a showdown at Haunted High. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember exactly what year that was, but I was 89. definitely in grade school. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it and being Totally blown away. I'm like, what? They both this, like they're also mm-hmm. 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 doing this. How? how... And uh, but then it was many, many years later um, that they finally started doing it every summer mm-hmm. um, at the community theater. And Carrie did two love wells before I participated. I my first level was between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. But I had seen the other two shows. I
3: had only really done one. Thanks for the extra credit. Oh, I thought you did
1: <laughs> Blown Away and uh, Oracle Diner. No, you're
3: thinking about your other best friend, Ooh. Um, Terry. Yeah, some
0: <laughs> Terry. Terry, <laughs> Terry, Terry Kilchrist or Gary Kilchrist. Yeah. Showdown on Haunted High, a great level title and uh, an early spiritual. Cousin to Curse of Concordia, probably
3: the Level Junior show from a couple years ago,
0: which is one of my favorites, about a supposedly haunted middle school, who turns out it wasn't haunted, but then it turns out it was haunted. Uh You know, twist, twist, double twist. twist. (laughs) twist. We called it it (laughs) double Shyamalan, yeah. Uh, And then Nipe, how did you uh, come into this picture, and how did you first meet? Meanwhile, in Sweden, Sweden, while these guys were doing
2: levels in Kansas? what a few years later, the first Level Sweden happened in nineteen ninety six. And me and my brother, we were two musical theater nerds over there. And David Spangler, one afternoon, uh, uh, had a little workshop at my brother's school. Saying there's going to be a musical theater uh, workshop that we're going to try this summer. We're going to create a new musical. And for us, being very lonely musical theater nerds, in mean, Sweden you're <laughs> lonely when you're musical theater nerd. It's not, not like here. We're like, oh my god, I have to do this. Because all we wanted was to write, write shows and compose, write, uh, being in shows. Uh, and so we went that summer and had an incredible time and American students were brought over and we kept hearing about all these people over over in Kansas. So <laughs> you guys' names would pop up into the conversation of your friends that came to Sweden. Karen and Nathan, of course, weren't there, but we heard about these people and got really curious. Um, after the first workshop in Sweden, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. It was just a one-time event which is very sad. So when us, the core group of Swedes, who were in that workshop, we got to college and got our degrees, we started thinking about bringing level back and, and make it happen again. And that's what we did in 2003. And who uh, should direct? Well, Nathan's name came up and you came over in 2003. And we yeah. did that first... We've done level every summer since, since but yeah. that was like the first regular level that happened. And the year after, Carrie came over over in 2004, and
0: so that's when all these deep, deep connections started really forming. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So the three of you grew up in two very different places, uh, and two places that are different than South Florida. When you think back to when you first started getting interested in arts, uh, theater arts, or any sort of art or culture, what was that first... Thing that came into your life that got you excited? Was it your family taking you to a show? Was it um, discovering how much you love television? Uh, when did you finally or first start feeling like theater or arts was something that was interesting to you? Mm. I know exactly when it was. When I was a kid, I, my mom would
2: make me a Superman outfit that I would put on and fly around the house singing John Williams fantastic theme movies. <laughs> I would watch those movies. I would rescue the neighbor girl from uh, all the horrors of the world in my Superman outfit. <laughs> <laughs> when I was maybe six or seven, right? So Superman was huge, Star Wars was huge. Uh, E.T. I remember seeing E.T. when I was a kid and being so emotional, like,
0: I didn't know a movie could <laughs> do that. Like, mm-hmm. understanding
2: that you could be so touched by the
0: storytelling. And, and would you say that the music of those movies that are so iconic that play a big part in it for you too? Absolutely, of course, because I was a piano playing kid since age five. Okay.
2: And my brother was a violin player and we played it together. Then when I was 10 years old, we were going to go with my grandparents to see what we thought was going to be boring opera, the family opera. We're like, oh, so boring, but let's go see with my grandparents, make them happy, and we were absolutely blown away about what was going on on stage. Like we have, did someone make this? Did someone did someone create this? We have to like be part of doing that. So me and my brother uh, have followed each other, you know, learned from each other and challenged each other our whole upbringing. And that's been, even in Lovewell, mm-hmm. and that's been such a great, fantastic way to have a sibling relationship and also just learn about the arts. So John Williams and Andrew Lloyd Webber are to blame childhood and heroes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nathan um I
1: not to bring it back to the sound of music no please but do. I grew Great. up in uh, kind of a Von Trap kind of family um my father is a minister mm-hmm. and he um got my family to yeah. sing basically at every church service. Especially so, when look, when
0: people came over and you had to say goodnight. Right. Yeah. So just from a very early age, like I was used to like standing in front of
1: uh, a lot of people and mm-hmm. singing songs. Um, so it definitely like came at uh, theater because I thought I wanted to be uh, uh performer mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed singing and, and performing. Um, but there weren't a lot of opportunities. Like even in Salina hadn't figured out that they could make a lot of money doing like summer theater education classes and shows. Like mm-hmm. then that wasn't an option. So it was always like waiting to see uh, the announcement of the season and hoping they were going to like pick a show that had some kids in it. Hmm. which is crazy to think because mm-hmm. now like, you think at least two or three sh- shows a season yeah. is that kids in in order to make money that was my phone sorry guys it's okay listeners please silence your cell phone <laughs> this,
3: this is my baby making no <laughs> we're also with
1: Aggie um, so definitely the performance bug yeah got bit very early um, as far as like falling in love with like uh, the musical theater art form that came from uh my parents lived in New York City for for six months when my dad was going to seminary, and they just kind of bought the records mm-hmm. of all of the shows that were like running on Broadway at that time. Yep. It, but it's a weird collection of, of records, and um, I loved listening to them, and mm-hmm. like that was my jam was like playing Legos and listening to these to these records. Yeah. And it was the Music Man, seventeen seventy six, Shenandoah, and Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. And so I have to blame Weber a little bit, too. That's like fair. That record was mm.
0: really huge mm-hmm. for me. Well, it's amazing how many musical theater lovers probably have that similar story of the invention of the cast album yeah. and mm-hmm. those beautiful album jackets that had all of the lyrics printed in them yeah, and absolutely. you could no. read along with it and get the whole picture. What an incredible thing, resource that people right. found at that time. Cause I mean, you could barely afford to get to theater in New York now. Right. But especially then, that was the only way you could enjoy those musicals. Yeah. And when you live in little towns, mm-hmm. far away from those big yeah. cities, especially.
3: Yeah. yeah. Carrie? Well, I have a brother and cousin who are four and a half years older than I am. I'm the youngest in the family, was the only girl growing up. And they both were musical and um, played the piano and just started... We just started writing songs together when we were quite little. One Mm -hmm. of our most famous songs um, is called Humpty Dumpty Fever. (laughs) It's a really good one. So maybe from the time I was two or three, I would hang out with them, write things. And then the movie musical Annie Mm -hmm. came out. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I mean, the cliche, you know, little girl sees Annie and falls in love with it and... We didn't have the cast album, but I remember talking my brother into taking an old tape recorder, and we sat in front of the television, and he would hit record on the oh, yeah. oh, on the right, tape recorder yeah. to record the songs for me. He was he was a sweetest brother, mostly, <laughs> yeah. um, to record the songs for me so that I could sing along with them. And um, yeah, and I was I mean I I was hooked. Mm-hmm. But one of the first shows I remember seeing on stage was totally inappropriate for me to go see. I must have been six. And I went to see cabaret
0: oh yeah
3: <laughs> my grandmother Agnes and my mother took me to see cabaret wow. at Marymount College in in Salina Kansas yeah. and I was I mean I yeah you were hooked. I was totally hooked yeah. but cabaret I think might be the first musical I saw in person in mm-hmm. a theater That's I mean, I had to see cabaret I highly recommend it for all six-year-olds out there but then when were we on stage for the first time mm. Um, the very first role I ever played was Carrie Nation. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, I, I don't even know, a little script called Carrie Nation when I was seven. Great. When I was seven, yeah. And then we had a we had a um, singing group like a citywide singing group that you auditioned for when we mm-hmm. were um, called the Smoky Hill River Rascals, <laughs> um, and I was in that from the time I was seven years old too. Yeah. I was in that, so it was more about like show choirs and singing groups. And because, mm-hmm. as Nathan said, there weren't a lot of theatrical um, experiences yeah. or opportunities available for young kids at that point where we grew up. Now that it's wonderful, but yeah. um, so you struggled to find something to do theatrically until you got. All little older Mm -hmm. um, and but was always looking for
0: it yeah i i think it's really fun how you bring up annie and you bring up the sound of music and uh i think the longer we stay involved in theater we're i think sometimes it's a little easier for us to maybe roll our eyes at those productions or to dismiss them as another annie another sound of music but we see the importance of them right of how Absolutely. they're the they're what hooked you in originally. And
3: I still love them. Yeah, I still love oh, them. You too. have like this Absolutely. place in your heart that you just yeah, think, you, you,
0: and I think I can't it turn is down a new
3: generation. And totally. then of course there are new shows that yeah. have come along, of course, that are hooking them too. But I mean, yeah, Annie and Simon Music, you can't beat those shows. They're just the beautiful old pieces of art. Yeah, and,
0: and they also highlight the importance of young people being in theater too. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, we'll talk about that more later, of the importance of young people making theater and being in theater. but. Those are two shows that champion, champion it, you know, yes. by, by being sort of rooted in having strong, young performances. Yeah. Um, nowadays, what art form do you find yourself consuming most? So You're all theater makers in some way, shape, or form, but what sort of art do you feel like you're, it's easiest for you to consume or do you consume on a most more regular basis? TV, movies, books, podcasts, theater? What do you find yourself drawn to the most? For sure, TV drama, I would say, right? Just because it's so accessible. So yeah, easy to find. drawn to
3: uh, and, like, capable of consuming. Yeah, that makes you when have, we, yeah. we all have small children, so yeah. it's like, I mean, drawn to is one thing and capable yeah. of consuming. Absolutely. podcasts for me, mm-hmm. podcast. just in the last couple years. Yeah.
1: Um, it started because I was like, I need to try getting into shape, <laughs> and um, I found that, like, I couldn't listen to, like, if I was running or on the treadmill or on a bike or something, I couldn't, like, listen oh. to music, <laughs> um, but I could listen, or the time went faster if, if I was listening to someone talking to me. Yep. I preferred that, and uh, so that was, like, my in, but now I just, like, you know, I have a huge list of podcasts that I absolutely love um, listening to.
3: Are you saying that just because this is a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, The last time I saw Tyler, and I think that's we're why we were about podcasts, having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I was so
1: excited that Lovewell was doing a podcast. Yeah. And I've listened to all of them. I really enjoyed it. Oh,
0: Yeah, I think music is, especially for people who make music, sometimes music is the last thing you want to listen oh to when you're, re- you're chilling yeah. and relaxing. For me, it the music can kind of seem aimless sometimes, and when I'm listening to something I feel like I'm accomplishing a goal. Yes. Like I'm trying to, to accomplish when I'm going to the gym, to begin with. Yes. Of like, I want to get to a place, I don't want to just have a never-ending loop of something. Yeah. But television would be the big draw, Nippe, would you just say? Just because so accessible, yeah. I would say that musical theatre
2: is still the art form I'm most excited of about course. when I consume but it myself. You can't Absolutely. deny how easy, easy it is. If you count the hours mm-hmm. being spent consuming, of course, accessible TV drama right there in the mm-hmm. living room is... is Making up for much many more hours, I yeah.
3: would say. Okay. Yeah, I mean definitely definitely T V dramas and um and ebooks. I mean mm. little small human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can read when she's falling, yeah. <laughs> when she's asleep enough. So but I can't um, wait um, till we
2: can start taking her to shows. Oh my goodness, how, how fun.
3: I can't fun. either taking a fun. Lot of people to see theater yeah. is so exciting. Yeah. Well
2: what, I guess just she's not even two years old, and, and wait a couple more years. She'll be there soon. Yeah. She's, her, took, she's
3: seen some shows, she's seen some level shows, a lot of them, actually, like, yeah. maybe, like, ten level shows, sorry, what are going to no, say? No, it?
1: no, I was
2: saying that, uh,
1: my, my wife is named Kate Kerrigan, and she writes musicals as well, and mm-hmm. she just, um, she's oh, in the middle of developing a musical for, um, a company called TheatreWorks USA, but they, they take popular children's books and mm. turn them into musicals, and this one, uh, it's a series of, of three books. They've kind of combined it to one show. Oh, cool. Um, the books are Rosie Revere Engineer, Iggy Peck Architect, and Ada Twist Scientist. Great titles. Just the cutest <laughs> books. Um, you know, getting young readers interested in science. But uh, she's workshopping the show, and we took Lucy, um, our daughter, who's two years, four months, um, to go see the show mm-hmm. three days ago. Wow. Oh. And she sat on kids' oh, lap. Cool. and loved it. And just didn't just <laughs> mesmerized. We're like, oh, we're screwed. You're going to be something Definitely a lot of yeah, money. Definitely
3: have a
2: theater kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we would take her too, to Broadway shows, unless people paid hundreds of dollars to see Broadway shows and <laughs> don't want a little baby in there, but otherwise, right. like, of course, oh, yeah. she loves it. But she's seen, it. seen
3: a lot of, like, mm-hmm. seen a lot of love all shows. I yeah. mean, it's amazing that at such a young age, kids can, I mean, it makes such a difference to see to see it live in person yeah. and to look and uh, I think especially for our little ones they're going to be seeing people they know yeah. and watch I mean that's so exciting I mean just to have Aggie sit in the audience and see Papa playing the piano mm-hmm. or yeah. uh, you know it's, it's exciting for them
0: so. yeah I, that's why the, the argument that anyone would have that like theater is boring is such baloney that if a, if a small baby can sit Right. and be totally captivated by it, like, there's something wrong with you if you think theatre is boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if it's good enough for a kid. What I, is it? I, I
2: have the deepest respect for that. that I always yeah. come back to my own experiences of theatre as a child, and how mind-blowing that was. The awe, the wonder you mm-hmm. could feel sitting in a theatre. I, I still come back trying to recreate that feeling and give that feeling oh, to someone so else. Sure. And, And I think we all have inner children in us Mm -hmm. to this day as adults that still want to feel that awe and wonder. And I think
0: that's something that musical theater is uniquely equipped to Mm -hmm. do. What does it take you to get to the theater nowadays? Is there, is it, you know, my friend made it, so I'm going to check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Booking the babysitter.
3: Uh, I mean, that's probably number one. (laughs) I'm thinking about the times I've been to see shows. We were living in New York when when I was pregnant with Aggie, and Nipa and Nathan were doing Tuck Everlasting on Broadway, and I saw I saw three, four, five, six shows a week. Sometimes I just went all the time, mm-hmm. and then she was born, and now I've seen three, four, five, or six shows yeah. In, yeah. Two yeah. Years <laughs> in, in twenty-two months. So yeah, that's a that's a good thing. But we try to make I mean anything our friends are doing. Yeah, one, we we make good. it too but I miss that the most I cannot wait until we can yeah we'll come with back or, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're the same it's been a bit of a drought unfortunately just because it's it's hard mm-hmm. to go and you know, it's also especially I still live in New York and it's just expensive, expensive you know so, so it's like expensive. if I can get a comp and get some sort of discount yeah. free ticket like I'll go see the shows but, Yeah, I uh, kind of kind of wait but um, and the social things
2: are your friends have created a piece or your friends in yes. the piece you Make an extra effort. For your Absolutely. wife. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah your wife wrote
0: it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess that what this question is trying to get at is, you know, for people who don't have friends who are making theater or who can't afford theater or, you know, don't have the babysitter, what sort of advice would you have for them to, like, seek out for in theater? Is it, you know, listening to something ahead of time to see if you enjoy it, to get you excited about it? I guess, how, how do you suggest getting psyched about theater if you don't have those ingredients, like the money to go see it or to have friends who are making it? Um, what kind of advice can you give them, if any? Because well, it's not as accessible as television, right? No. And, and, well, well, there's a thing called the Internet,
1: though. Yeah. With, you know, I, mean, I feel like it's so easy nowadays to, mm-hmm. to see so much material is, is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you... But, you know, of course, it's like, you know... It, <laughs> It's hard to watch theater on on video. Yeah, it's like you know, no one ever wants to watch no. the like VHS tape no. of the
2: <laughs> play that you were in. You
1: know what I mean? Like it never captures it. Yeah,
2: um, but you can find out if you're interested in something, right? If you're excited about something, I think you can find out. Mm-hmm. You can it's, absolutely do that.
3: And they cast albums. I mean, they're they're yeah. fantastic. I mean, you listen to whatever you want on Spotify and get interested in it. And um, yeah, and and then purchase a ticket. I mean, I think, I don't know if this is true, but I mean, there's so many more tours and I think there's so much more accessibility um, now mm-hmm. to theater, even in small rural areas yeah. than there used to be. I mean, um, so you can, yeah. And I, th- I think if the average person, you know, listens to, um, a soundtrack, and that show's coming through on a Broadway tour, and they yeah. make the three-hour drive to see, and it may be a special event, but that also creates, like, special moments for, that we were talking about, childhood moments, that mm-hmm. you think, well, my parents drove three hours to take me to see, insert whatever wonderful Broadway tour they you yeah. to see. So it, it makes it magical. It's too bad it's not more accessible, but...
0: Yeah, it's a bigger risk, too. If you don't like the show you're watching on Netflix, you just hit menu and you go <laughs> right. back sure um, I th- something I've found being here in South Florida is trying to invest in local theater companies that I know that I like their work of get, get excited about the company that's yeah. putting on the work as opposed to seeking out individual shows that's been a little that's more a rewarding yeah. um, that is a good way to think but about there's it. also I think
1: and a great way to just support the arts. Yeah, so right. And to keep saying, I'm in for the long haul. Like, yeah. I respect what you're doing and I want to I see everything.
0: And even if it's not great, I love sometimes seeing things that are not great. Yeah, yeah Because it's valuable. I don't know if it's as valuable for people who are not interested in making theater. Mm-hmm. Like we're all interested in making theater. But uh, I find that like valuing the company that's producing the work over the work, sometimes in the local smaller sense is a little more rewarding. But I think i think
2: shows hit us in a very personal way i think you should be honest mm-hmm. with yourself why you like something and why you attracted to something because mm-hmm. i think you know you can sit and watch a show and it doesn't touch you all next to you is your neighbor who's bawling their eyes mm-hmm. i always say you bring in the show with you as an ice member right you bring mm-hmm. it in already and whatever happens on stage just pulls it your reaction out of you and you walk in with that reaction well, um, there underneath mm-hmm. the show is pulled out of you if you have that experience if you have some connection if you have some common ground with the story being told mm-hmm. right so I think that's why we are attracted some things and totally not attracted to other things or don't understand the show or totally understand the show yeah. but that goes for all storytelling right but, mm-hmm. but maybe even more so in a, in a musical in a show that's so uh, earnestly open with what we're trying to do I think musical theater is very honest with what we're trying to do and that's mm-hmm maybe more so than mm. other art forms speak.
0: As creative individuals, and whether you're writing music, writing a musical, writing in general, uh, how important is the idea of routine in your work and in your process? Is it something that you take, you find value in? Is it something that's a little less important to you? But for someone who is more used to maybe the nine to five routine, as creators, do you see any value in routine? And if so, what what would that be? And if not, what would that Why not? I was uh,
1: talking with a bunch of young um, artists last week, and someone asked, like, well, how do you deal with writer's block?
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, I just feel stuck. And I'm like, well, are you writing every day? Mm-hmm. And she said, no. I said, well, that's your problem. That's why. Like, I think you do have to... Treated as a job, mm-hmm. and but I think what you can't do is get down on yourself, and you can't judge what you're doing. Yeah, all you can do is put in the time. Yeah. and as long as you put in the time every day, you're so you're gonna find something like something that's gonna get there. And
2: uh, I uh, and I think the next thing you need is also a quickly approaching deadline. That's what you need to. <laughs> <Deadlines> are- <laughs> Without a quickly approaching deadline, I will be nothing done. Nothing.
1: Yeah, absolutely quickly
3: approach
2: oh yeah yeah because then you get the motivation to sit down a little down. more Quicker accountable time, right? I and think that's,
1: that's why Level is so kind of magical why too. it works you know, yeah. that's why it works it's like hi guys nice to meet you the, the clock is ticking clock is yeah.
0: going. <laughs> we're, we're already behind,
3: going. behind. <laughs> we're already
1: behind yeah <laughs> did that answer your question
0: though? yeah no I, I think it does I think that um, it's important to hear that it doesn't have to be good as long as you're doing it every day because it will get good eventually if you keep yes. working at it, right? Yeah,
1: and that doesn't mean also, um, you know, if you are if you are a, a songwriter or a book writer, you know, I, I think that if you can at least give yourself, uh, you know, especially if at this point you're not making a living writing, but you want to be writing, you mm-hmm. give yourself an, even an hour every day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're always putting pen to paper yeah but that hour could also be like oh I'm going to read some of my uh some of the scenes from a favorite play of mine Mm -hmm. and like study the structure of it or I'm gonna like take take apart this song or dissect it or do some things but it's it's always just kind of like purposefully giving yourself time every day to kind of like hone and um explore your your craft Mm
2: -hmm. um Steven Sondheim says, in a funny way, he says that all of his shows are written out of guilt towards his collaborators. Mm. I think what he means by that is, you know, you don't want to let your, you know, your colleagues, your collaborators down, yeah. and, and and so I just want to salute collaboration, too. If you yeah. sit alone in your room and try to get something done, there's no deadline, no one's waiting to hear what you have created, that's so that's really hard. hard. It's really hard, hard. hard. If you mm. have someone to just bounce ideas off with, and, um,
0: I think that's very, 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 very very helpful. Yeah. You have to sort of set some rules up for yourself. Yeah. To keep yourself accountable, perhaps. Keep Absolutely. working at it. And that's why a collaborator helps. Yeah.
3: Which is what Sondheim was referring to. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And that's what we have to do at Lovewell, too, of like, we form these wonderful bonds with each other that part of the reason that we're motivated is we don't want to let our best friends down. Right. And, you know, we are continually working with our best friends and... We talked a little bit about this when we interviewed Jacob uh, um, of how he approaches collaboration and a big part of it is you know I want to show you that I'm getting better at what I'm doing too when you're working with your collaborators and the same way uh, you know a teammate might push you to um, run a little faster or jump a little higher you we find that in the arts too with those collaborators and I think we're all naturally drawn to I can't I don't understand people who can do it alone. I don't know how anyone is able to do it right. because I want to be pushed and I want to push others yeah. to be better too. I think it's fine to be honest with how hard it is to yeah. get anything done.
2: I mean, every, everyone I know who's creative and tries to make a living struggles with It's hard to sit down and, put, and to and get something done. It's, really, it's yeah. really hard and we all find ways around that. And I think we'll, we all have our tricks and, um, well, let's just admit that it's hard. Of course, mm-hmm. it's hard. Otherwise, everybody would do it.
3: Yeah, and to and to know that your process is also a process that changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on what what kind of project it is or what you're working on, and and how you need to work. I mean, it changes as well. So as much as you can set up the guidelines, the yeah. guidelines have to be you know like clay. You have to be able to change them, move them around. Mm-hmm. We were writing. Niba and I were writing uh, the musical Krampus when I was b- b- at the beginning of a pregnancy and I was so sick and I remember oh, yeah. thinking we have to cancel this production because I i can't get out of bed and it turned into me just laying in bed and when I could sit up writing a mm-hmm. scene and then just and laying I was in back here, down to, you know, and Niba was in one room and I was <laughs> in the other the and I've never had a process like that and I actually thought maybe this isn't going to work we're mm-hmm. going to totally fall on our faces but it was a totally different process because it had to be because of circumstances yeah. but... Um, it became something that, that I think we both were proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, so to let your process, you know, b- b- like I said, change, depending on, depending on what it is.
0: Well, and then speaking of processes that have changed, in the last two years, the, your three creative processes have changed significantly, I'm sure, with children coming into your lives. Yeah. And I'm fascinated in, in how your creativity has grown and shifted now that there are children in your lives that you're responsible for.
2: Well, we oh talked about gosh. this yesterday, didn't we? We it's, did. Uh, the did. biggest change, I think, is time management. Hmm. How, how your idea of time, how you spend time, and what your time is worth. That's changed tremendously, hmm. I would say. Yeah. And you realize that you can work in very different ways. You can do a lot of work in the back of your head while you're playing with plastic carrots. And <laughs> <the> place, <laughs> you know, you can do a lot of work in the back of your head. And then when you actually have time to sit down and do it, it's just more about getting it out there in as fast focused way possible yeah i don't know what you guys would say yeah you
1: don't have time anymore i i I love that god i don't know where to start so i i just remember like you know the the day that we brought that our baby home (laughs) and like she um there were like some complications with the birth so she's in the knee for like five days Mm -hmm. so the first five days like someone else was basically taking care of the kids we actually got a little bit of sleep yeah and But then once we finally got her home and I'm like holding this little one week old child and she's screaming and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It was the (laughs) most terrifying terrifying night of my life and I was like, I will never have a life again. I will never <laughs> write anything. <laughs> All I'm going to do is make sure I don't kill this baby. I just have to keep her alive. You know what I mean? And then, you know, two years later, like we were, I feel like I'm finally coming up for here mm. and I've kind of figured it out. But I think the best thing that has happened is that when you finally do have time to focus, like I, ha- I have, I have laser focus. Yeah. Because yeah, I know this is the time that I have and I have to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about how like usually my writing process it was almost like gotta light the candles <laughs> 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 gotta relax for a little bit oh, man, <laughs>
3: just, <laughs> right you know what I mean take yourself <laughs> on a date right? make <laughs> a laugh
1: <today. laughs> before I can even start to write a song and that's just silly now it's yeah. just like no I, I can do it just and, do it and, uh, and that's been and that's been really good um, but yeah I was thinking the whole idea of like you're you're also trying to kind of multitask as you take care of the kid there are many times that um, I'm like reading a book to Lucy, mm-hmm. and I've realized that I've read the entire book to her, and but I was thinking about something else yeah. all the whole time. And I'm like, did I actually just read this book? <laughs> because I just had just like worked out a lyric in my head, um, but we're at the end of the book, so so that's crazy and cool. It's also just fun because you. This isn't fully formed, but it's you're bringing someone into the world and everything is new mm-hmm. and we haven't gotten to that place and I know it's coming very quickly where she's going to start asking why mm-hmm. ab- ab- about everything but uh, you do have the opportunity to explain things and you're and you and you're not taking things for granted because everything's new to this child mm-hmm. and that's exciting Absolutely. and uh, we happen to have a kid that also is like she's hyperverbal but she also loves words mm. and sounds mm-hmm. and uh as soon as we like say and she loves rhymes
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: crazy <laughs> this is true but she does and anytime we just happen to like drop a rhyme as we're talking she she'll, she'll just be like again <laughs> again and ended up getting her the book fox and socks which is a Dr. Seuss book that I didn't know uh-huh. and it's just like tongue twister after tongue twister and, and she loves f- it yeah favorite book and she can
0: Well, and then as as you start explaining things to your children, it's gonna naturally make you better writers, right? That you have to say complicated things in a simple way, and that's as storytellers, hopefully, what we're all trying to do. Uh, Yeah, and that's gonna that's gonna be a creative explosion if it hasn't been already. Right. Um, (laughs) As as Aggie rubs soda all over herself. It's not (laughs) soda. It is not soda.
3: It's tea, and she's not oh. drinking it. She has the soft ice. It's that really great oh, soft ice, just—it
0: is ice. not soda. We
3: need that. And she's Sorry,
0: not, not soda. She's
3: not drinking the tea. Yeah, for
0: uh, for the record. Um, <laughs> yeah, I
3: don't. For the like podcast,
0: me. she is not feeding, not feeding her daughter soda. not
3: feeding her daughter soda or tea.
0: Another Mountain Dew
3: in the bottle. Carrie, anything to oh, add to that? Yeah. No, I mean, they kind of touched on everything I've been feeling, but I mean, I, the biggest thing is, is, is time, and the biggest thing is that if you have four hours to do something that you pre-kid took you 24 hours to do, because mm-hmm. uh, like Nathan was talking, the process of, you know, the candles or what insert whatever it is for mm-hmm. you, right. I mean, and I find myself trusting mm my instinct more in the sense that you know what this is good and Mm. this is the right way to go and it could change or someone could have another opinion about it Mm -hmm. not that like it's right but just that you know what i'm gonna throw it and if it sticks then it stays and that has been an unexpected gift of Mm. parenthood Mm -hmm. at first it was like my biggest nightmare Yeah. yeah not having the time and now that i'm starting to get into it, get into mm-hmm. a groove, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a gift, yeah, it's, it's been a gift that I didn't know I needed.
0: Well, And that comes back to the deadlines that we were talking about, because yeah. this, is, this is a deadline that you have every single day, That sure. that is not in your control, and sometimes the deadline comes faster than maybe The deadline of the end of the nap. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the deadline <laughs> the, 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 get the, done the end of the, the nap. deadline of the
3: breakdown. And then
0: I think yeah. that comes to something we talk about at Loveville a lot of, throughout the process, that there's no such thing as wrong or right answers, you just have to make a decision. You have to make a choice, and then we can go off of from there. Uh, and that's then, easier when
2: time is limited. Yeah, it doesn't so have to be perfect.
0: Yeah. Oh, nice. Because there is no perfect choice, right? Yeah. right. And you'll, you'll get to where you need to go if you keep making choices. Yes.
3: And that brings you back to collaboration. or brings mm-hmm. me back to collaboration in the sense that, I mean, when you're on these deadlines and those four hours that you have, you it also has given me more trust in my collaborators and however I'm working, saying, mm-hmm this is this is the point I got to mm-hmm. and I trust that you'll get to a point as well and like handing it over feeling like this will be this will become what what we all want it to become mm-hmm. and that that is also not that I didn't trust my collaborators before but it's made me trust even more mm. the, in them so and I think that that's a very good thing yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so your parents were the parents of creative children and Theoretically, you are parents of creative children. Uh, What about that is like most exciting for you of knowing that Lucy and Aggie are going to become these creative powerhouses pretty soon. What's the most exciting thing about that for you? And maybe also what makes you most nervous about that?
2: The first thing that comes to mind is the learning aspect. The learning aspect of being a parent. And I think all of us are drawn to arts education, education in general, and I think the best Part about any education, whether it be raising a child or doing love walls or whatever it is that you learn, your own your own learning mm. and how exciting that is to grow as a person and learn new things and do things you have never done before, and to see the world through someone's new, fresh eyes, like Nathan was talking about, and all the wise that they're gonna come see. Yeah. My parents were incredibly
1: supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I owe a lot to them. But the one thing that was difficult was uh, once I really started going away from performance mm-hmm. and going into writing, uh, my parents didn't really understand that change. And I think it was just, it was very easy for them to be like, oh no, see, that's my boy. My boy's on stage. You're yeah. clapping for my boy. And um, I, I Seriously, I wrote my first full-length musical with Ryan McCall in college. And my parents, a week before uh, <laughs> the show opened, I was not in it. I directed it, wrote it, all this stuff. They called me, like, you know, we have a lot of friends coming down to see
3: your musical. Is there any way that you can be in it? Oh they my gosh! I remember,
1: and I, and I was like, what, "Am I just gonna like write a pizza boy a show? <laughs> ding dong! Hey guys, here's your pizza, by the way." I wrote it, and then uh, walk away. And now, of course, you know, my mom had, had this beautiful uh, realization that like, what's beautiful now is that she gets to watch a show, but I she can actually sit by me in the mm. theater and we can mm. share it together. That's cool. And that was that was lovely. What what I'm getting at is that I didn't really have what I'm most excited about with Lucy is like what she's going to create Mm -hmm. and what her voice is and Mm. what she has to say about this kind of broken world that we're bringing her into. Um, And that was something that my parents never really knew how to um, uh, help me Mm. with. Lovewell helped me with that. A lot, you know. Um, But I wish I would have had that a little bit more at an early age. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I really came in, as far as I'm concerned, came into writing um late mm-hmm. um and i wish that someone was like pushing me a little bit more to read the good books to mm-hmm. look at the you know to, to like to find a voice
2: and so um an exposure i keep thinking about yeah, my friends what they did they just exposed us to stuff they just took us to concerts took us to shows took us to just took us to things
0: mm-hmm.
2: whether it be a you know a, a soccer practice or it would be a live rock concert or i think just exposed series of the things is the most yeah, the act of doing anything right yeah. of just yeah. yeah and then they will find what they're attracted to and what yeah. it takes their body right.
1: yeah uh, I'm more nervous about getting this teaching Lucy how to like catch a ball mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah because you know <laughs> I want her to be sporting yeah and then but maybe Lucy's create creative expression is going out and throwing a lacrosse ball back and forth with I hope else. so you know and like I feel like she's got the awesome. art like that's
1: just gonna like this just gonna, gonna be, rub off do you
0: yeah. know what I mean but like but to throw a perfect spiral is a different thing yeah. to, like,
1: Get out into the park
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god Well Shakespeare in the park then Yeah, Carrie, yeah, right. <laughs> you want to add anything to that?
3: I missed a little, I stepped out to make some pasta For my parents, <laughs> but, um, uh, For me, I mean mm-hmm. Growing up, my mother is super wildly Creative and she um, Pasta, pasta. pasta. <laughs> And she I um, I didn't know it at the time but she gave me the gift of looking at everything in a creative way. Oh here's this piece of cardboard we should save it in in our little workshop so later we could make it into an uh, you know a airplane that could you know be attached to the tent that we made out of and um and that is the part about being a parent myself that I feel I mean the whole everyone says is beginning to like relive your childhood mm-hmm. but then to see aggie even at a young young tiny age being creative with the way she plays Mm -hmm. and it has already started to transform my my creativity Mm -hmm. by watching her again and um that was something that i didn't think would come until she got older but Uh it it started already it started already with the way and that's only going to grow yeah yeah whether or not aggie goes on to find vocation in the arts Mm -hmm. i just want for her to be a creative person in whatever she wants to do, because mm-hmm. I believe that being a creative person m- makes you happier. Mm-hmm. You can make your way in or out of whatever situation you're in, and I think it's important. Whatever it is you do. So... I may have been off topic, so... No, that was perfect. Pasta really, that really was perfect. took me out of <laughs> She's doing this to Marcus and Aaron while they're sleeping out there, too, yeah. just, I don't know. I'm sorry.
0: So- Thinking back to your Lovewell experience as uh, young blossoming artists and thinking of the, the spirit of, of what you all were doing when Lovewell was in its earlier ages, what do you see in the, in the current generation of Lovewell students and in their spirit and in the shows that they're creating that resonates most with how you felt when you were a student creating? What, what I get most excited about
1: going to Lovewell um, I i knew we had to create the show, but
0: oh.
1: <laughs> Aggie um, rolls hi. in with a car. Aggie's in it's a little a red car, a Peppa Pig car. car. We
0: have the rights to the music, so she can do it all oh, she wants. Oh my goodness!
1: It. Yeah. Is she looking at herself in the mirror too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's oh, so cute. <laughs> Aggie, put the Mountain Dew down.
3: <laughs> Stop it.
1: It's <laughs> your third Mountain Dew. <laughs> You're a horrible
3: person. <laughs> I wish that thing could be turned off but it can't I'm not sure what to do this is
0: just no this is great where's the battery somewhere we
3: can Uh, I went to Lovewell
1: and wanted to be a performer and then Mm -hmm. very quickly realized at Lovewell before you can ever like get on stage and like play the lead role you have to write the songs first yeah and my big realization in that first year was that I ended up not caring about the character that I wanted to play. I started Mm -hmm. caring about the story they were trying to tell and writing songs for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I felt like every day it was more about like, oh, what song do we need to write? How do we Mm -hmm. tell the story? And standing on stage, my first show was called Tribe, a musical quest, (laughs) and ended up writing the finale. Mm -hmm. And standing on stage with all of my peers, hearing them like sing this song, watching, tying up the story, Mm -hmm. watching the audience feel it, got these like crazy goosebumps. It was the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. I feel like I've been chasing that feeling yeah. my entire mm-hmm. life. Um, and it changed everything for me. Yeah, And so I love finding, basically, the people that that make the same realization that yeah. I made at 15. And which are the kids are like, oh, I don't care if I'm in this song. Yeah. I don't care if I'm in this scene. I just want to write the story. And I think there's a level, is it, it it shines a light on other aspects of theater besides the performance yeah yes um and and I love finding those kids that that want to tell the story and Mm -hmm. connect the pieces and like put the puzzle together Mm -hmm. and that's that's that process is even more exciting than the the actual performance yeah
3: I think it's only fair to the listening audience that they get to hear just like a, a little piece of the finale of Tribe now
1: Oh, man. I mean, it was, it, is, it was called... What was it, it called? It was called Again, oh. and then in parentheses, for the last time. <laughs> um, I mean, the first line was, Remember when the sun did shine. The birds Birds did sing, and and so did I. But times have changed. We need to stop and And rediscover what's all been lost. lost. There's not a single rhyme in there. (laughs) (laughs) Not a single line. And it gets even worse from there. Why couldn't we start over again? We started out just nice and fine.
0: Well, how wonderful. Why couldn't
3: we live in peace again? Right.
0: When everything. And you still remember it.
3: We yes. Yes. yes, I, remember I yeah, absolutely, assigned, re- absolutely eh? remember
0: yeah. it. But I can't tell you the well the like obscure Lovewell lyrics that get stuck in my head, and right. I can never get them out. And it's because we've had so much of our DNA in it. Right. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah? But actually it was that song in particular that once I was given the opportunity to be a staff member Mm -hmm. and look back and like I cringe a little bit although it was the most amazing feeling ever Mm -hmm. I really wish at that point that one of the staff members would have been like can we take a look at this lyric? (laughs) (laughs) Let's just clean it up a little bit. What are you actually trying to say? Mm -hmm. Here's how to rhyme here, you know, this is uh, grammatically incorrect, you know, and so, like, that was a big part to me of, like, when I'm part of a Lovewell, like, I want to do, like, a second step of just, like, actually teaching the craft a little bit, too, Yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't want to, like, shut down anyone's ideas, but I also think there's, writing is rewriting,
0: and we have time to, like, do that, we should. And in past episodes of Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast, during... Roots of Red episode, both students, Carlo and Laura, who were interviewed for that episode talked about how you all during that process had an entire day of rewrites during Roots of Red. And we don't always get that during a level process, but there's a reason that that show has had such a long life since, and I'm sure a big part of that (laughs) 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 Is, is the emphasis you put on that process on rewrites.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think when you do have the time, there's something really magical. And I think it's only happened for me, I think, in a couple processes yeah. where we got through the first draft yeah. and then we got to do like a read-through of it. Yeah. And then we got to have a conversation of are we telling the story that we wanted to
2: tell? Yeah. But the other side of that coin, I had the experience when I was fourteen, doing my first level of mm-hmm. uh, that it felt so profound that to be taken seriously as a as a creative artist. That it's ah, routine, yeah. And like, you wrote this song, let's put it on stage, no matter how flawed. And today, Cringe-worthy, it was still an incredible feeling, like... Someone's taking what me and my friends wrote seriously and putting it on stage in front of a paying audience. So the two coins, To that, I think they can be merged, those two coins. I think they're two different things. It's just, yeah, I think, But that feeling is so profound. And I try to give that feeling to students all the time, Yeah, too. Like, and I think to take they get, seriously.
0: that naturally is involved in every process because you have the students who are doing it for the first time. Yeah. And then you have the students who are returning summer after summer. And because so many staff members get to work with the same students summer after summer, we're able to have the mindset of, knowing the students who it's more important to just get it out there, yeah. flaws and all, and then we know the students who were able to push a little harder to get that that next step lyric, yeah. uh, because it does it shouldn't be the same process for everybody who's there, right? right? We should be able to, as a staff that continually works with the same group of people, just like a teacher who works with the same group of people, to sort of customize that experience for our students. Yeah.
2: I do think the magic of level is the combination of the experience of mm-hmm. the staff with this fresh this passionate flood of ideas from the students. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that amalgamation I think
0: is just is just magical. Yeah. So you all have Lovewell summers fast approaching just a few months away in Sweden and in New York Mm -hmm. and then uh, here in Florida. We'll also be in Ohio this summer, in Kansas this summer, all over the place. What are you most looking forward to about your upcoming Lovewell summer? Uh, Last summer was the first uh, Lovewell New York City uh,
1: Lovewell that we've done and uh, it was those kids were definitely guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only a two-week process, yep. so th- it culminated in basically a staged reading, which was everyone behind music stands singing the songs and us reading the stage directions of what we imagined was would be happening on stage. The Glitches. It was called The Glitches, and it was Great. Yeah. And uh, we we wrote it in in like uh, my office workspace that I share with some other theater writers. So there are all of these little rooms with pianos, and so the kids could just like run off into a room mm-hmm. and then come right back. And uh, it it was like the space was built for Lovewell. Yeah. Um, but I'm just excited um, to to be like to tweak the process a little bit because we just mm-hmm. learned a lot as far as. Um, and not actually not only was it only 2 weeks yep. but it was only 9 to 3 it was a short day so the fact that we even got a full <laughs> show was was pretty remarkable um, and it was a small group so it, it was it was a it was a very challenging and very rewarding experience and i just look forward to um Kind of, I think we're gonna have a couple returning kids. That mm-hmm. was the other challenge. We mm-hmm. had not a single veteran. Never, mm-hmm. even, never, never even heard of Lovewell yeah. before yeah. they signed up. How yeah. exciting! Too. Then that's exciting too, right? Yeah. So it's just gonna be, you know, Lovewell grows, mm-hmm. and I think it'll we'll do something very, very uh, exciting this this time around. Um, and you guys can apply for
2: it.
0: Oh yeah, there there are still spots available <laughs> <So> for <laughs> Lovewell New York, yeah. uh, with Nathan Tyson. Uh, and being Same in passion. Sweden,
2: which is now our must be fifteenth yes. year, right? You, <laughs> time you, you would think that things would start getting stagnant and stale and but but that's also the magic of level that since this big component of what we're doing, what mm-hmm. we're creating, is different every time, is new every time. That never happens and there's an mm. influx of new people which I think is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Um that us veterans and new people uh, get thrown in together facing this creative challenge. That's what so that's what excites me. The same thing that excites me with every project that I do is mm. just the magic of creation. And, and starting to find out what we're doing, entering the room, not knowing, yep. leaving the room, knowing. And that's
0: just always so exciting. Yeah. I think I'm most excited. Um, I feel like more so than in years past, the uh, young people that we work with have something to say this yeah. summer. Oh, yeah. Whatever, I'm excited to hear what they want to say and I think that that's one of the most interesting things for me every summer going back is it's become it's always about the stories that they want to tell but now I'm really interested in what they want to say behind them Mm -hmm. um, and what sort of um, impact they're looking to have whether that means that they're going to write you know a door slamming farce because that's what they need to write or whether it's going to be something emotional and cathartic I'm interested in, in working with them and getting those stories out of them. Yeah. Because I think that we've we've seen that people, young people have a lot to say. Yeah. And, and people are listening. We're listening. Yeah. yeah. So before we uh, wrap things up, for our listeners around the world, what recommendation do you have for them? What do they need to get their eyeballs on or their ears around? What... TV show, song, movie, what is this, what recommendation do you want to make? What should they get up on and get into right now? The best advice that I ever got by anyone
2: who's older than me and also a creative art- artist. I went to this composition camp when I was f- 14 and it was it was a one week composition class with a composer, a classical composer. And at the end of that week, just three words he said, the only thing I can tell you is just keep writing, hmm. just keep writing and something great will happen. Hmm. I don't know what it is, you know what it is, but just keep writing and something good will come out of that. That popped out of my head, just normally asked a question because I think that's very profound and very, and true. Yeah. Because here I am 20 years later and a lot of good things have come from putting it on paper and creating yeah. something. <sighs> I mean, I'll, I'll jump on that. Um,
1: well, first of all, my biggest regret is that in fourth grade, I stopped playing the piano. Mm. And I remember my father saying, you're going to get to college, and you're going to wish that you played piano. I'm like, what are you talking about? First of all, it's college. <laughs> yeah. and, <I'm> like, no. <laughs> and you're silly. And sure enough, I went to college, and in the dorm, in mm-hmm. the front lobby, there was this beautiful piano. Wow. And I called my dad, and I said, you're right. So I always wish that I... I Kept that skill. Mm. So if you play an instrument, like keep playing that instrument, no matter what. Don't put it down. Mm. In with with the spirit of coming along with what Nipe said, I I think what's the most important is that you just make something Mm. and don't make it by yourself Mm. find that person that you Mm. think is unique and interesting and scares you a little bit and inspires you and and make something with that with that person because i find that the relationships that are the most important to me the memories that i have that are that are the most vivid are are always centered around creating something with someone like that's how you make lasting friendships Mm. Um, and that's how you, uh, and that's, and it gets a huge part of art, you know? And I think that's also why Lovell is so remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, so find someone that inspires you and,
0: and make something. Yeah. Awesome. NBA Finals predictions. Playoffs are about to start. And you, you, get, you got a pick? Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. Perfect. Uh, Thank you all so much for, um, for joining us. Big fan. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. So much fun. And that's the show. We want to thank Carrie, Nipe, and Nathan again for sitting down for this great interview. Just a reminder that our summer season of global workshops is fast approaching, and if you or your child wants to write and perform an original musical with us, please just head to www.lovewell.org for more information. Scholarships are available. Thank you all for joining us for tonight's episode of Listen Well, a LoveWell podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we will see you next month for more Lovewell podcast content. Until then, this is Tyler Grimes reminding you to listen well, create well, love well. Good night. <laughs>